Hey everybody, welcome to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast where we talk to some of the coolest people in Denmark about what they're doing here. And I'm your host, Derek, with our co-host, Mike. That's me. And today, of course, we are joined by the amazing, the incomparable Chantal Alarab, and she is back for part two of our time together. Welcome back, Chantal. Thank you very much. And we've already talked about your brilliant career in and out of drag, the impact that it's had on you. And, of course, we've had some laughs about the ridiculous things that people say to you in a bar. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And, um, of course, I've also become your BFF at this point. Yes, you have. Yes. That's right. But now comes our next segment, which is going to be where you have to defend your BFF status. Ooh. So we're going to see if you can remain BFF, so maybe I can swoop in for the win on the side if, if Derek can't can't. I was about to say, you can, you can sit with us. Exactly. <laughs> I want to see if I, can, if I can join the club. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. Exactly. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Oh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was about to say, we're the kids in the back of the bus. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either way. Is the back of the bus a thing in, in Denmark where like it's the same thing? that We the, don't really cool have kids. school buses. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I will say if you go away on camp and so on, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cool kids will be sitting in the back of the bus. Okay. Yeah. Right, so it's universal then in that yeah. way. Yeah, And you can't sit with us. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm more of a, a front of the bus. And I again, guess. I would say, did you bring menthol cigarettes? Because where I grew up, that could get you into the cool crowd. <laughs> Ooh. It's like Ooh, a Lucy can help get you right into mm -hmm. the, the right group. Well, you brought champagne. Which uh, was yeah. Two points. One foot right. in the door. Mm -hmm. One yeah. foot in the door. <laughs> okay. And, and you know, you've been on a podcast or two, so you should by now have a sense on whether a podcast is real or not. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is in this game, we call it podcast or podcatfish. The idea here is that we will read you or I will read you a potential name and description of the podcast. And then you two have to work together to decide if you think it's a real podcast or if you think it's a podcatfish. I so, usually say if it if it suggests that I invest in crypto, it's catfish. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Now to, to be able to maintain the status, you have to work together and be correct three mm -hmm. out of five on these. Otherwise I get to be your BFF as well and I guess we become a BFF thruple of sorts. I'm oh, not sure how it's going okay. to be. Mm -hmm. First one is the podcast Murder She Boat. This is a true crime podcast about missing persons and murders at sea, hosted by two sisters who are in their sixties. <laughs> <laughs> if this isn't real it needs to be <laughs> I really want this to be real because it's everything I am dying for right. however there is just something about the name the name is too good uh, it's a little I, too cute I, I, I don't think two sisters <laughs> in their 60s would get that Angela Lansbury is a major gay icon <laughs> uh, because I, I feel like this is rigged. I think this is the perfect storm of everything you would know I'm hoping for. <laughs> um, so I think it's a catfish. It could be. I don't know. I usually say if it's too good to be true, it's... It uh, sounds... Yeah, it sounds... A <laughs> but I, I want love it. I really want it. I really want this to be Murder a podcast. I love a, I yes. love a good pun. I love a good pun. Oh my God, of course. And there are... Uh, didn't Olivia Newton-John's boyfriend disappear on a cruise ship? Like, Stop. I think so. I mean, rest in peace. Queen, mm -hmm. but uh, I the boyfriend <laughs> or Olivia? The boyfriend. <laughs> well, uh, both hopefully now. both of them. He disappeared. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm I'm no. I'm leaning towards fake. Too. I think it's fake. Yeah, let's yeah. go with fake. You're correct. It's ah. fake. It's too cute. But this needs to be a podcast. It does. I, it really. It needs can, to be a podcast. Can, is there a suggestion box? Time? Yeah. yeah. Is there a suggestion box somewhere? I I think we just filled it up with this one here. Mm -hmm. And we have is, our first episode, Olivia Newton. Uh, apparently, <laughs> this needs to be a thing. This needs to be a thing. Yes, one hundred percent. When we get into our sixties. <laughs> oh my God. If yes. podcasts are still a thing. Right. We're making. Mm -hmm. I'm in. I'm in I'll for get this. a blue rinse. Yes. <laughs> blue rinse. Okay, so you guys are one for one, so you're good okay. to go there. Mm -hmm. And so for the second one, we have the podcast Humor Resources. We're, we're keeping with the pun theme that mm -hmm. we have here. This is a podcast hosted by two HR professionals that make fun of crazy workplace incidents. Humor Resources, real, not real? I think it's real because it wants to be funny, but it kind of <laughs> isn't. It's, it has a very like yeah. Karen from HR. Kind of, yeah. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cute? Yeah. I'm The only thing that makes me hesitant is the legality like how much could they really disclose true that's true because you can speak in hypothetical yeah broad terms you know yeah. what happens at the copier stays at right. the copier yes. um names and identities have been mm -hmm. changed to mm -hmm. protect mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. 
Um, overall, I think it's real, and I think they're making a fortune because they're selling it to businesses and using oh. it in corporate training. So oh. I think it's real. I can see. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm I'm down. Yeah, let's yeah. go real. Two for two. It wow. is absolutely real. Okay. That's absolutely real. I imagine. I wonder if they have any Ulifrica stories in Ooh. the. Uh, oh, I love <laughs> a good Ulifrica. Exactly. Okay, so two for two. Let's see if we can keep going with this. So the third one is the dumb found dead. This is a podcast about bizarre, strange, and borderline comical ways to die. The dumb. Very, found- very Darwin Award. Oh, sounding. like the dumb founded. Uh, the dumb founded. Oh, the dumb founded. The dumb founded. Uh, the dumb founded. Oh, oh, like, like, oh, is that what it is? Yeah, I guess okay. that's what the pun is. Okay. One thing is about legality here. We're sort of Ooh. pushing into the sort of ethical domain. <laughs> right. Right. And has that ever stopped anyone? <laughs> I mean, if the fictional episodes of Murder, She Boat have taught me anything, <laughs> it's that there are many dumb ways to die. True. True. Um. Oh, that sounds, that sounds too made up. Yeah. yeah. It's, this seems like something our intern made up. Yeah. Also, it's. It's it's punny. It's a little too funny. Yeah. And yeah. Murder She Boat was also punny. Yeah. yeah. We'll say we'll say nigh. It's actually real. Real? It's oh actually real. So your first incorrect uh, answer on here. I know okay. what I'm listening to tonight. Yeah. Right. The dumbfound right. the dumbfounded. Yeah. And dumbfound dead. And and after sixty minutes, murder she boat. Um Well, mm. we have to produce that. We have to produce that yeah. first. Murder she motor boat it. Oh <laughs> that would be mine. That could be your new show. Right. <laughs> that was your experience in Aarhus, right? Murder she Oh, that was like mastectomy edition. <laughs> I hope that guy uh, listens to this oh, podcast. Poor Osmus. Most likely not. Probably, yeah, no, nobody, probably not. Nobody listens to this. Okay, so speaking to, of, of podcasts that people may or may not listen to, the fourth one is Feline Fine. <laughs> it's something what, about what lions. It? So it's a is podcast it? about being single and happy in your 40s, hosted by two self-proclaimed cat ladies. There's no such thing as fine. there's no no such thing as being single and happy feline. in your 40s. <laughs> feline fine. Feline fine. It, it's a great title. It, wait, fine. I I feel like I feel like I've seen these people on a show, but I I feel like I feel like they exist, yeah. and I feel like they could be my best friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want them to wear all like animal print. Ooh, yes. 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 Chain smoking is they're talking about how they're strong, independent women living their best life. Right. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> um, I think it's real. I, yeah, that's kind of real. It's real. Yeah, that's not, that seems right. Sadly, it's fake. <gasps> and maybe it's, as I said, there's no such thing as being happy and single. Oh, yeah, that was the yeah. that was the giveaway. <laughs> the giveaway. The happy cat ladies, I guess. Yeah. yeah. The, and no life. disrespect to any uh, single forty-year-old cat. Uh, well, I'm forty-three persons. and recently yeah. divorced, so I'm just saying. One cat away. <laughs> I'm, I'm a cat away. I mean, they will find me dead, half eaten, by my <laughs> hairless cat or whatever it is I have. With a podcast microphone. <laughs> right. And a glass of rosé in this one. Exactly. Oh, that is the dream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is for, this is for everything. This then, is for everything now one. because you got to get this one right. Otherwise, I'm, I'm in. So the, the final one that we have is called Grilling Me Softly. It's a podcast about food and beverage culture hosted by food industry experts. So it's punny. It's punny. Food is is very happening at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Food is having a moment. Food is having mm-hmm. people started we, eating. We finally figured what it happened? out. <laughs> oh, it's Osempic. Oh, uh, yeah. That's it. Thank you. That's the backbone of the Danish economy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say this episode mm. was not sponsored by Novo Nordisk. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like it could be real. I sound, it sounds, it's a good name, too. Yeah, it's a really good real. name. It's yeah. a really good name. Yeah. Let's go real. It is real, and you get to maintain the BFF status. <laughs> well, so well done. So three, yeah. three out of five, you hit the target, and we have two podcasts, I think, <laughs> need to be made. I That's, think they, they need totally, to be made. Totally. Like, like weighted spinoff is going to be Murder, yeah. She Boat, and yes. we can talk about people that die in submarines and oh i didn't even think of that one. like i think we're in like the the Th- heart we're in the, the backyard of, 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 of famous boat murders yeah. <laughs> i'm just saying but, i mean that's kind of uh it's kind of the, point the of legacy the of the viking age it is too. right I mean, we, and also <laughs> like true crime is trending true crime right? there's nothing there's nothing that's like the... sitting in your sofa with with a blanket <laughs> Just relaxing while you're listening to a podcast about someone getting like molested yes. and cut up into pieces and thrown in the ocean. I mean, 
that is how I spent my Saturday yeah. afternoons. Right? It's hard to get by in these trying times. Uh, I, <laughs> but you know what? It's the, it's stories like that that just help the, you persevere. The uplift, the uplift that you need. <laughs> Heartwarming, Heartwarming stories, stories yeah. of of maritime murder. <laughs> I want that to be yeah, real. Let's do it. Let's do it. Could okay. we have Angela Lansbury narrate it? Oh, oh my mm. God. I mean, with AI now, I'm sure we can get an AI Angela you know Lansbury. You're actually probably right. Probably right. Get, get a Mrs. Potts kind of... Yes. Okay. Be- because that is the vibe you want for yeah. it. <laughs> right. Be our guest. And now you're dead. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. On a boat. Okay, we've okay. got some homework to do. Uh, they found her in the, <laughs> the galley. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, man. Well, Murder, She Boat is... On its way, on the horizon. <laughs> Coming up. Coming up next. Um, but, uh, Chantel, you've uh, told us about some of your, your drag influences. I don't know if Angela Lansbury was one of them. But, but she is now. Yeah. She yeah. is yeah. now. I would Maybe. say equal parts Liza Minnelli and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Subconsciously, mm-hmm. Angela was there the whole time. She was always always there. But I think you would say, too, and we, we, we talked about it a little bit already, but drag has also really influenced... Uh, the culture mm-hmm. and um, you know can maybe talk about like sort of what you think some of those influences have been or inspirations from drag uh, have been in in the pop culture oh there there are so many I, I think that if we look at drag and the way drag in in well in the past 50 years have had an impact on pop culture we could start with The Little Mermaid, Disney's mm-hmm. The Little Mermaid. Oh, sure. I mean, Ursula is inspired by Divine. Yes. Ursula is a drag queen. Um, there are so many of these very subtle. We wouldn't have the Kardashians without contouring. I mean, that is <laughs> that's, a, yes. that's a true. technique that comes from drag makeup. Um, it's, I usually say that drag is created by pop culture, but it's also a co-creator mm. of pop culture. And I think it's so beautiful when when you see all these like bubble up, trickle down uh, movements of cultural influences moving in, in different directions yeah. instead of cross pollinating. Um, the beauty for me about drag is that it's about you know, the hyperbolic, it's about overdoing. And when you overdo things, all of a sudden you get all these serendipitous um, experiences that you didn't know you were going to get that, oh, maybe if I do my makeup like this, something wonderful will happen. Or if I sort of forge a character who behaves in this way, maybe I'll get new discoveries. So so in, in, in that way, I think that the, the pop cultural landscape we're in now would not have been the same without um, drag. Just like drag wouldn't have been the same without pop culture. If we look at a phenomenon like RuPaul's Drag Race, it's actually something that has very much affected queer language and the way we communicate and the way we think about who we are and and I can have all sorts of opinions about sort of the franchise overall, but what I have to give the producers of that show is that they're so literate when it comes to pop culture. And the way they use reference is so intelligent. It's like a shameless, uh, almost overuse. But again, it's the exaggeration of but drag. That is, yeah. that is post-modernity for yeah. you. It's that you step into this mirror cabinet where you can't really find the original. It's this sure. idea that everything is a reflection of something else. And and for me, I'm I'm just so deeply fascinated by it. Just like you, you said that you you think of drag as art. For me, it's also craft. Mm-hmm. For me, there's something deeply fascinating about someone who's a skilled lip synker. Mm-hmm. M- maybe because I'm not, but I love to see people who are skilled at lip syncing. People who can command a room by you know singing, without actually yeah. singing. Just like when, when I see a good body, you know, people who understand how to proportionize, I'm always in awe of that. Um, or when I see a, 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 a sort of a costume that someone has stoned themselves mm. or when people can do a yeah. super interesting makeup. For me, it's, it's not just the art. It's actually also the, the craftsmanship. That that is fascinating. And voguing and ballroom, uh, oh, another it. subset and yeah. genre. Of, mm-hmm. Yeah, of, totally. Yeah. And 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 I think saying that, for me, another thing that's very interesting is 
I love to travel and and I always there there are a few things I always do when when I go to a new country. I always try to go to a supermarket to get an idea of what do people eat, how mm-hmm. do people behave when they go shopping. I love to people watch. Um I actually also like going to either a public swimming pool or a gym um because I'm quite fascinated by the way people manage their bodies um mm. in and out of clothing. I mean how um prudish are you or mm-hmm. how much do you cover up there i would say b- between the us and 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 scandinavia yeah. there is a major differences oh, sure. oh yeah um i would imagine that you had a few shocks uh, yeah. the first time you went to the gym here but i always also try to go to a drag show mm. and it's so interesting if you compare sort of we could say the united kingdom to america oh, we could sure. say two english speaking yeah. nations Very different. in in america there's this emphasis on lip syncing and acrobatics yes. and tipping whereas <laughs> in the UK you'll see sort of this influence from the Victorian music hall tradition yes. where and from panto so the mm-hmm. the makeup looks different the way people are on the stage is different they don't lip sync they sing sing like um, singing, yeah. they yeah. yeah and then when you go to Germany you can see a, a sort of an influence from the cabaret tradition Um so I love seeing sort of these different vernacular traditions of drag and and also how they sort of cross-pollinate how if if you look at the Copenhagen drag scene uh for instance we have a long tradition of bearded queens which is um something that I consider sort of a Copenhagen vernacular mm. and at the same time we have the inspiration from the american tradition we have a bit of the sort of german tradition we have a bit of the british tradition and then there's sort of this melting pot of different traditions and sort of each individual performer will have their own idea of what they're doing i i think it's such a fascinating sort of reflection of what type of society you're in do you do you find you mentioned drag race mm-hmm. earlier do you find that in your opinion drag race is homogenizing drag culture in that way or do you think that it's opening eyes to other parts of drag culture as opposed to it being maybe siloed in its local culture my answer to that that will be yes and in in the sense mm. it is homogenizing but or and it's also bringing out drag to more people mm. and it's also inspiring more people to do drag and it's inspiring more people to explore the diversity of drag so in that way while it is diversi- diversifying the language of drag and the the sort of frame of reference it's actually also inspiring a lot of people to sort of pursue other ways of doing drag mm-hmm. um i would say one thing doesn't leave out the other um if you compare the drag scene in copenhagen today to the drag scene 10 years ago when when i started doing drag they're very hard to compare mm. in in the sense that when i started doing drag there were barely any performers and to a certain extent if you wanted to do drag people thought of you as a bit of a freak mm. it's like why would you want to do that um i would say i don't know if maybe it's a bit of misogyny you find in the in the queer community like why would you want to be effeminate why would mm. you want to do that it was very much sort of this appraisal uh the the mask for mask whereas today wh- when i look at young people today i was like they get it they're it, it's like this idea that young people are that young people suck i'm no <laughs> young people are going mm, to save the yeah. world it's like it's, it's our generation yeah. who have misunderstood everything I, it's like i have the deepest admiration for the the generations who are currently entering the scene who are currently sort of starting to perform they're so good and they're so young and and i can only imagine what they'll do in the next 10 years mm. um so even though we're getting a sort of more sort of we could say a more streamlined uh, reference frame in in terms of drag i i also see sort of more diversity hmm. i i think you alluded to it drag as a, as an art form mm-hmm. becoming more mainstream especially in the last 10 years mm-hmm. 20 years even um but of course there's sort of a natural pushback and as somebody who's studied and even written a book on on queer history that's a that's a theme that mm-hmm. that occurs and reoccurs yeah. continuously um it it, it really does, it it really does um and again we we see the pushback as a new thing yeah. what what i discovered we we very recently had an episode in denmark uh, where a group of qanon supporters yes. 
um, accused drag queens of being pedophiles, mm-hmm. grooming children, which very much mirrors what you see in, in the rest of Europe and also in the U.S. Um, and a lot of people said, oh, it's because queer is a new thing. And I had to say as a historian, <laughs> I said, no. If we go back to the 1950s and 1960s, it was a common trope that back then not the transgender person or the the drag queen was a groomer, but that the gay man was a predator. So we're just seeing a revival of an already existing trope, just like the idea of the, the drag queen or the transgender person, anyone who sort of pushes the boundaries of gender as dangerous. I mean... How many movies have we seen where the mass murderer yeah. is some variation Silence of, of the Lambs? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Of, of, of someone who's assigned male at birth performing female. There's, there's, it's, it's in our pop culture that this transgression of gender is associated with pathology and that that pathology is associated with danger. So... We, we have to realize it's not a new thing. And when we go out and, and act as activists, we have to realize that the structures we're fighting against are so deeply ingrained, not just into sort of mainstream culture, but also pop culture and and even sort of scientific discourse. We can't just lean back and say, okay, yeah. now we have the right to yeah. get married. Everything is fine. No. Yeah. It's like... The, the moment we start relaxing, there will be people who first start out accusing drag queens of being predators. The next thing will be that gay men are predators. And then the next thing, it will be that all queer people are dangerous. And then we'll start seeing anti-gay legislation. I mean, this yeah. is happening at the moment in Europe yes. and in the U.S. Yes. Go yep. to Florida. Go to Poland. Go to Italy. Go to Hungary. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. We have to be very aware of that, and we have to realize that more than ever, we, we have the momentum of acceptance, but we're also in a time where there is pushback, and that actually mm-hmm. requires that we need to take that acceptance and then run with it. Yes, We can't just lean back and say it's all good. Yeah. In, in, in your studies as you go through history, what have you found has been successful? Because obviously I think we're feeling like we're in a moment of backlash right mm-hmm. now. There's been sure. these moments that happened. I know in, in, in the U.S. there was some progress in the 60s and then backlash through the 70s and 80s, for, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. What have you found in your studies has been the successful route to advancing the rights of sexual minorities? One, one of my greatest discoveries wasn't necessarily one thing it was more this realization that we're not marching towards the light usually Mm. we 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 tend to talk about progress as inevitable we'll say we're in 2023 therefore and we have this idea that things will get better tomorrow um i actually saw the opposite in my study history and progress isn't linear it takes a lot of turns during the years The second thing I discovered was that no change has ever happened by itself. Change only happens because there are people who dare to dream of a better world. So I would say overall, the most powerful uh, skill we have as humans is the ability to imagine the future and the ability to, to imagine a better future. And throughout queer history that has really been a driver this ability we have to imagine a world where we're accepted where we're worthy of love where our love can be recognized by a state where maybe we can have the right to form families and so on having the ability to imagine that is the first step it takes towards creating a better life Hmm. and and then after that of course then comes the actual activism and and there are so many strategies you can take you can you can either go the route that if we look at the u.s that the machine society um had in the 1950s and 60s of being respectable and working with the law Mm -hmm. or you can take the the strategy that we see in denmark with the queer liberation front of of the 1970s or the um gaa in new york um this idea that you use provocation both work uh if if we look at these organizations they actually never disagreed on the goal they they said we all want to go to the same place it's the methods we're using 
hmm. that they disagreed on. And and at different times in history, I, I can see how both strategies have worked. Um, so I, I can't give you a clear-cut answer of sure. this is what we have to do, but I, I would say it's equal parts working with the system and equal parts working against the system, hmm. depending on the context. How about as far as your your own safety? Because as we discuss kind mm-hmm. of this this back and forth, that progress has not been linear. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel more or less safe than ten years ago when you started? And especially on something even in Copenhagen. Now, yeah. of course, maybe the lawmakers are mm-hmm. not necessarily targeting the community, but mm-hmm. uh, some of the people from yeah. QAnon and things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, death threats against yeah. a drag performer yeah. in Copenhagen earlier this year. That's that's a scary thing in a place like Denmark, a place like Copenhagen, that we tend to think of as these things are decided. We've yeah. already moved past uh, LGBT rights. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, no. I can start out by saying I, I attended uh, the Danish Rainbow Awards um, a month ago, and the Minister of Equality was there. And she gave a speech that actually rubbed me up the wrong way mm. because she started out by saying, Denmark is one of the best places in the world to be queer. And look at all these statistics that compare uh, Denmark to other places. And look at all the rights you have and so on. And I was like thinking, should we really let other places in the world Mm. be what we measure our safety and well-being Mm. against? As long as there are people who are getting targeted, as long as there are people who are assaulted, who are beaten up, uh, people who are afraid of coming out, people who are disowned by their families. I mean, how will it ever comfort me that there's death penalty in Uganda yeah, yeah. if if there are young people who who consider suicide in Denmark because they're afraid that their parents will stop loving them if they come out? How will that ever be any kind of consolation? Um, I think it's very important that that we don't become complacent, that we, that we keep on dreaming about a better world. So when, when you ask me, do you feel safer than 10 years ago? I would say, instead of saying yes or no, I would say yes and. Mm. That overall, I feel like as drag has become more mainstream, I can actually walk in the street during the day and feel safer. Mm. I, I get less comments and so on. However, then there's online where right. people are getting death threats. I'm, I'm yeah. quite lucky. I have never received a death threat, but I've received a lot of other nasty messages on mm. social media. Um, and I have had people who sort of threatened me when I was out walking alone at night. Um, so, so, so in that sense, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. There, there are instances where, yes, I do feel more acceptance um, and inclusion today than I did 10 years ago. But I don't want 10 years ago to be what I compare myself to. I want to compare myself to a world where all queer people can walk in the streets feeling safe and where no one grows up with the fear that their parents will stop loving them for who they are. That That is what I want to compare myself to. I, I want to keep on this dream of a world that is perfect. And then I want to compare now to that mm-hmm. instead of, instead of what life was like 10 years ago or instead of what life is like in, in other countries. I mean, that is what equality is about. Equality is about at least having the same opportunities mm. as a straight people. I don't think queer people ever have asked for more than straight mm. people. No. We, we just no. want the same opportunities in life. We want the opportunity to walk down the street with our partner's hand, like holding our partner's hand without the fear of being assaulted. That's what we want. We want to be able to kiss our partner. We want to be able to form meaningful relationships. We want to be able to form family, just like everyone else. We, we want the same. We don't want more. We just don't want less. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and with that, I think we do think of Denmark as one of the more progressive places in the world. But still, as you say, there's, there's places to go. Where would you focus that energy? You talk, you talk a lot about kind of a, a need for cultural change mm-hmm. in this way, a different attitude towards this, kind of either with your activism or if you even had a bigger megaphone out there to, to speak on that, what would your message be? Where does Denmark need to go for 10 years from now? There, there, there are so many low-hanging fruits. We could look at the way we teach sex ed in, in elementary school. Let's make sure that sex ed has a queer component, mm. telling children that there are so many ways of having sex and that 
let's say you're asexual, that is also an option mm-hmm. for you. Basically, opening up the world in sex ed. Let's make sure that there's representation. Whenever we have shows that want to show typical Danish families, make sure that we show the full diversity of what Danish families look like. And here I'm not just talking about uh, sort of sexual minorities. I'm also talking about ethnic minorities. Let's make sure that we show that the family today in Denmark is so much more diverse than it was 20 years ago. Mm. Um, these are some of the low-hanging fruits. Let's make sure that we, let's get leg- legislation that ensures that trans kids have rights. Mm. Um, at the moment, if we look at who are the the people who are suffering the most in our community, it's trans people and it's especially young trans people. Let's sure. make sure that they have the best possible opportunities when they start their lives without us being experts in in whatever it means and what their life is you know what they are the experts of their life just like i'm the expert of my life 100% and i think young people is where that that change is yeah. really coming from i think you alluded to it uh, a moment ago but they're really looking at life and their own lives differently and wanting to take control of them yeah. and uh, that gives me hope because i don't think that when i was coming up that uh, nothing to do with uh, being, you know, my, my sexuality. I, I don't know that I was necessarily empowered the right way to do that. So no. I think it's something nice in what our generation is doing in raising this next yeah. generation. And I, I, you see that result. And I, then we, we, we have to stop talking about woke as a bad <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like when, when you sort of try to boil it down, first of all, whenever people talk about sort of being against woke, I always ask which part of, of woke Is it you're against? <laughs> what what does woke mean to you? And if it's the part that you respect other people, I'm like, how can you be yeah. against having? Because that's not a new thing matters? either. No, that's always been a thing. It, it it's so interesting. This sort of uh, that woke all of a sudden became a bad thing. Where I'm like, yeah. which part is it exactly yeah. that's a bad thing? Yeah. You know, I know in in your day job, you you do get to work with uh, with a lot of students and a lot of young people. Yeah. Can um, you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any um, you know anything you can share in that regard as far as sort of that that hope that uh, that you get working with students and well, a lot of things. I mean, they I love working with young people because yeah. they they force me to constantly reconsider the way I look at the world mm-hmm. and speaking of being sort of woke I mean sometimes they'll call me out on things I say and do where I didn't know that this mm. could be a problem for other people and just that I mean I may not agree with everything they say but you know what they make me reconsider what I do they make me think about how to be a better version of myself and and that for me is so important and And that's also it, it. It was never a a part of the plan for me to sort of teach college students, but I'm so happy that I do that because they keep me on my toes. Mm-hmm. I, I really have to sort of constantly consider how I do things, and and that that I really appreciate. So I, I think young people are really cool. They're awesome. Yeah, and I think you have a unique perspective too, because obviously you, know, you grew up in Denmark and coming mm-hmm. through, but you work with a lot of international students yeah. in that way. What have you learned from that? Because you get to see not just young people in Denmark, but young people in Denmark who come from elsewhere in the world. Right. What perspective does that bring on what culture they bring as they come forward as well? One thing is the culture they bring. Another thing is... Um, It's almost like there are two Denmarks in in <laughs> there is sort of the Denmark that we currently are in, and then there's the Denmark of their imagination. And a lot of people arrive in Denmark with an idea of what this country is supposed to be. Um, you know, I I usually talk about the Viking Viking. You know that they imagine that they're coming to a country fully powered by wind turbines <laughs> and where everyone is biking and everyone is tall and blonde and perfect and so on where i'm like you know what it's more complex than that yeah. um and and i would say it's it's actually one of the big challenges whenever you work with international students it's this idea that they they almost arrive here knowing it all mm. and especially with you know 
you can just Google what is it like to be in Denmark. <laughs> and then they come here and they think they know it all. And and my uh, job is to, you know, to be the grumpy grandma who sits in the <laughs> corner being like, it's actually a bit more complex than that. There is no one Denmark. Mm. There's a huge difference between being from Copenhagen and being from, you know, a village in Western Jutland. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between being, you know, let's say a plumber in Slaelse and being an academic in Copenhagen. Yeah. There is a difference between being someone who's a fisher somewhere in Hietzhals and being, I don't know, a suburban um, accountant in, in Greo. So it's it's my job is to allow them to understand that while Denmark doesn't have the diversity that, let's say, America um, does, there's still diversity and that diversity in Denmark looks different mm. and that it's actually dangerous to say this is what it's like to be mm. in Denmark. This is what Denmark is mm. like to sort of to show them the nuances. And and that's also a part of, you know, what college is about to to um, sort of understand that the world is more complex than what you get in a sort of 10 things you need to know about Denmark blog. Sorry about those videos. <laughs> no, I love them. I love them. And they're 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 very useful whenever I have to teach culture. But but, but everything you say, we, we feel the same exact way. Yeah. In many ways, our channel has turned us into cultural anthropologists, yeah. like reflecting on what's around Accidental. us. Accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> and yeah. and it does make a difference because like it's easy to say the Danes, the Danes, the Danes, yeah. but there is no the Danes. Yeah. And I think what's what's fascinating too, maybe this is a bit of the the change we've seen as we've we've moved kind of through those phases too. Mm -hmm. the, the the fairy tale arrival in Denmark yeah. and then yeah. it, we've been here almost seven years. Like this is our home. Like we have opinions and thoughts and we mm -hmm. we know what's going on. And you kind of also see that tension even within Denmark of people yeah. who are like the Danes do this. Right. And the reality of I mean the st even the statistics prove it out. There's a higher foreign-born population in Denmark than in the U.S. And there's many right. ways to be Danish. And there's, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's got to be an interesting thing for you to see as well, is to reflect the, on, on explain to people, like, there's the fairy, ta fairy tale Denmark right. and, and the Epcot version of Denmark, and there's the actual place where real people yeah. live. Exactly. And then there are certain things where, you know, Danes are so good at telling themselves stories and believing in them. Uh, one of my, f like, pet peewees is this idea that we're a green superpower. Hmm. Where I'm like, let's be real. Let's look at the actual carbon footprint. We have not done anything to our actual carbon footprint, like the carbon footprint of the Danish economy, mm -hmm. since 1990. Mm. Wow. So we're still, when, when you look at it, we're still one of the biggest polluters in the world. We're one of the nations in the world that produces the most trash, you know, the most mm -hmm. waste per capita. We have one of the highest carbon footprints. And and I think if we keep on saying we're green superpower, we'll never do anything about it. Mm. Sure. We'll never do anything about it. And I think it's so dangerous, regardless of what kind of change you're trying to achieve, to be complacent and think that you're already there. Um, and, and it's actually something I always try to challenge with my students whenever they talk about. It could be gender equality. When they talk about um, environmentalism, when, when they talk about queer rights, whatever it may be, I always say, let's challenge these assumptions mm. and say, when, when you're talking about this, what is the position you're talking from? And if we change the perspective you're talking from just a little bit, what new discoveries do you get? My, my job is to, you know, nuance any kind of discussion you may have about Denmark and, and culture in Denmark. Mm. Yeah, make people think. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that leads nicely into something else we wanted to do, which was lean on your expertise mm -hmm. with international students yeah. and talk a little bit about some of the, the tips and things that will mm -hmm. help international students, whether they're from the U.S. or elsewhere, coming to study in Denmark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Chantal, you're an expert because you do work at DIS, one of the big study abroad centers here in Copenhagen. Yeah. And one of the first things I think that students need to be aware if they're coming abroad is going to be that it is not an inexpensive country. You need to have a budget mm -hmm. and realize that this is not going to be like studying in Madrid or Rome. It's going to be a bit expensive. Yeah. I, I think that when you study in Copenhagen, you depending on the program you're in. Of course, you can get scholarships and so on, but you still have to budget. And it's about figuring out what's important to you while you're abroad. There are, of course, a few th places where you can save some money. Um, 
I would say cook at home. Mm. Don't expect that you can go out every night because eating out is expensive. Yes. And um, that's not just yeah. student budget. No, <laughs> no that's for everyone. everyone. I mean, with a sort of living wage for waiters, yes. you sort of also get a reflection in sort of the price of eating out. Apart from that, get a thermos and make mm. coffee at home. Yeah. Instead of spending those daily 45, 50 kroner on a to-go coffee, just make coffee at home. You'll actually save a lot of money and still be caffeinated yes. uh, during the day. And then there's a lot of free things you can do in the city. Copenhagen is actually quite a wonderful city in terms of cultural events and so on that won't break the bank. It can be sort of, well, in the summer we have a jazz festival. We have all sorts of cultural festivals all year around. In, in February, there's a wonderful light festival where you can literally just walk the city and then you'll see beautiful light installations. So depending on the time of the year, you actually don't have to pay to get into a museum. You can actually also just use the city itself as your gallery. Great. So a lot of ways that you can protect your budget along the way <clears throat> for Non-students, of course, you know, if you're working in Denmark, you kind of have a salary that matches that. But on a student budget, it can be it can be really tricky. But, but even if you're working in Copenhagen, I would say still cook at home once in a while. <laughs> yes. Because yeah. yes. if you eat out every single night of oh, the it, week, uh, it adds it's up. expensive. Yeah. You'll go broke. Yeah. Yes. And um, how about the way that people dress? That's something that I see often discussed on some of the student boards and things like that. But um, of course, when you're moving to Denmark or Copenhagen, <laughs> really anywhere in Scandinavia, you're going to have to be prepared for all different types of weather, sometimes in the same day. Yeah. I would say layering is key. Yeah. It's, it's really wearing layers is everything. It's about figuring out, especially if you're biking, this idea that when you're on your bike, you'll get really hot, you'll get really sweaty. First of all, you want to wear fibers that can sort of breathe. So don't wear what I'm wearing at the moment because <laughs> this doesn't breathe. Wear natural fiber and then layer it so that you can like take off one layer when you're biking. Wear something that's waterproof on the outside because you'll most likely be caught in in the rain at some point during the day. And then you can always switch up your outfit. And, and the benefit of wearing layers is that it looks really cute. Mm -hmm. You're ready for any situation and you can accommodate, always, ac always. accommodate yourself yeah. perfectly in that way. And I've talked to a lot of students, some even at DIS, who uh, said things about the things that they read or heard about online, that everybody wears black all the time and nobody wears wedges and heels. And, and they were like, I'm going to do whatever I feel like. I'm going to keep my style. And then they got here and realized there's a lot of practical reasons why oh, the cobblestone, the cobblestone, the cobblestone. Yeah. let's yes. be real. The cobblestone will ruin your heels. <laughs> Just put on a nice trainer. I'm, I'm actually currently wearing trainers. <laughs> Just because when you have to walk on cobblestone every single day, you will break an ankle. Oh, yes. So the flatter, the comfier, the better. Yes. And, you know, it, it can still be chic. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. I think another thing that to be aware of, especially if you're coming to study in Copenhagen, and we hear this a lot from people in the States, they're like, oh, I assume when you travel, you take the train everywhere, you're in the middle of Europe, and you realize that Copenhagen's on the edge of an island that's a, a short train ride away from basically just southern Sweden and the rest of Denmark. So I think a key tip is to realize if you are going to go travel elsewhere in Europe, realize it's going to be a cheap Ryanair flight, not a Eurorail pass to, to go to Prague. Yeah, and, and I think it's also, especially if you're a student, ask yourself, are you going to study abroad? Are you going to travel abroad? Mm. I would say sometimes right. less is more. You don't have to go away every weekend. First of all, we're in the middle of a climate crisis. But second of all, you don't actually have to go away. The city of Copenhagen has so much to offer. And especially if you want to sort of immerse yourself in the culture, you won't meet people if you're out every weekend or out of the country at least. Because let's look at it. When do people have time to hang out? Weekends. On weekends. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So if you want to make friends locally, actually cut back on your international travel and then give Copenhagen a chance. Copenhagen is actually quite 
an awesome city, even on weekends. I, I fully agree. And I, I know you know many people that study abroad, they're like, okay, I'm just going to take the Ryanair flight every weekend to go somewhere. And I fully agree with you. I think if you're going to study abroad, the beautiful thing is you get six months to immerse yourself in a place and make it home and, and yeah. get to do that. Yeah, or look for one of those orange passes on the train and yeah. go visit somewhere in Denmark and, you know, still stay in the in the culture yeah or who's this actually or quite fun yeah. yeah and i think with it too we know people that came here for study abroad and then decided yeah. they loved it so much they came back when they could get a job here and, and move back so that's a good chance for you to see is this a place that not only is it right. good for the six month semester but also potentially moving here for good but also remember that travel is not about putting pins in him yes. Yes. yes yes traveling is actually about savoring the experience it's about going somewhere it's about actually being there and if you're in Prague for six hours are you really going to get a sense exactly. of what Prague is like and if you're drunk for four of those six <laughs> hours I mean what is your experience going to be and yes. are you really going to remember that experience ten, da- 10 years down the line no. so like less is more yes agreed amen and uh, on that note of really digging into the culture one thing that I've seen uh, again on some of these student boards and that would be my personal advice is um, sure it's nice to learn some Danish and you'll want to be able to maybe by the end of your six months uh, place your coffee order in Danish and that that's a nice thing to do and and Danish people appreciate that however English is really good and I would say that while Duolingo can help you before you arrive. One thing that may be a better use of your time would be to try to understand the culture mm. before you arrive because the language barrier won't be there like it could be in some other destinations of studying right. abroad like Paris or Rome. Yeah. I, I always say when, when I have a student who, who comes up to me and, and says, I went into a cafe, they didn't speak English. I, I always have to correct them and say, you went into a cafe and you didn't speak blank language because let's say you're in Copenhagen you can't expect everyone to speak English however English proficiency is very high in Copenhagen and in Denmark overall we're close to sort of 99% of the population who have some level of spoken English so you can get by and and of course you, you can always consider how much time are you going to sort of set aside for that language I, I always think when I when I go to 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 a different country, I always try to sort of have an idea of at least how do you say hello, how do you say thank you, and yeah. then depending on how much time I'm going to spend there, I sort of economize my time. And yeah. and we can say learning Danish, it is a bit of a commitment, yeah. like mm-hmm. like learning any other language, and. You, you can ask yourself, do you then want to focus on, on the culture? I would say regardless of where you go, always be aware of the culture of the country. I mean, always have an idea of what are the hot topics? What are mm. the do's and the don'ts? Are there any potential taboos? Uh, you could could you potentially offend someone? Just be sensitive whenever mm. you, you enter a new cultural sphere. Yeah. I think it's the big thing is realizing you're a guest of that culture as you come in and your chance to enjoy it is to be willing to match up to it as opposed to walking in with your own. I'll say too, language language is culture. Of course. Um, However, yeah, if a six-month stay is all you have, then maybe it may not be your focus, but a two- or three-year master's study, yeah, perhaps you'd want to take Danish lessons. Exactly. And really try to, yeah. Especially if you're considering relocating here after. And if you're, if you're going to live here afterwards. Yeah. So, it's, say, at some point you realize, especially those people who make the life choice of having children, we can always discuss that. <laughs> but there's just something about, you know, one thing is that, of course, you'll be able to talk to your children, you'll be able to talk to their professors, but let's say your children are having friends over yeah. yep, that are coming to play. You can't expect that a five-year-old speaks nope. English. Yeah. And and at that point, when you have children, you have to learn Danish. If yeah. you want to be yep. a parent who can not just communicate with your children and the professors, but but with the friends. Um, so there's there's just also something about what is your life situation at the time. I'm a, I'm a big language nerd. I love l- learning languages. So for me, I I always, regardless of where I go, I go on Duolingo and I try to sort of master the language before I go and I usually fail miserably. But <laughs> but I don't know. I, I like languages. It's part of the fun. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. It's, as you say, it is culture. It is. Yeah. And speaking of culture, one thing to realize as you come to, to, to Copenhagen, to Denmark also is 
for the kids coming from abroad, drinking is professional yeah. here. Yeah. You have to realize if you're coming here, you're dealing with people that have been drinking since they've been 13, uh, and you're going to lose. Yeah, and one thing is you're going to lose, but there's also the, the risk of looking like a loser in the sense <laughs> that while you'll see people drinking in public, being very intoxicated publicly is kind of not cool. Yeah. It, it actually, it's not a cute look. No, no. Mm -hmm. um, so be mindful of that. If you're new to drinking, while it's legal, be very mindful of how you manage yourself and, and, and what your intake is. Because no one will think you're cool when you're puking in someone's trainers oh, outside no, a bar. No. I mean, you'll 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 look like a major douche, and and, and, <laughs> and we don't want that. It gets on the cobblestones. It gets on the cobblestone. It it gets in your hair if you have long hair. It's just not cute. So be be mindful of that. Um, and also, if you're in a country and in, in a culture you're not aware of, potentially you can put yourself at risk. There are bad people out there, and even though Copenhagen sure. is a relatively safe city. There are still idiots out there. Mm -hmm. So I would just say be smart when you go out. Yeah. Um, and it's mainly for your own sake. I actually, I always say to my students that I hope they make a lot of poor life choices on mm -hmm. the weekends because we learn from those. But you have to be very responsible when you make poor life choices and you have yes. to make sure that you don't put yourself at risk. Yeah. So I would actually say if you want to go out and, and drink, be my guest, but do it responsibly. Yeah. Yes. Just because there's 10 shots for a hundred krona doesn't mean you have to drink all 10 of them. No, <laughs> I mean, sharing is caring. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's how you'll meet people and make friends, yeah. yeah. And um, which is also another thing that uh, you do have to be aware that you will have some culture clashes and some homesickness yeah. and jet lag and all of these things, especially in the beginning of your time that are very natural, but make sure that you're checking in on yourself. But we, we have to, we have to be real here. Going away is actually quite a major thing. Yes. Oh, yeah. So going through it without any kind of reaction actually makes me worry more than yeah. the people mm. who get homesick at some point. 100%. I mean, adjustment always comes with, you know, all growing comes with growing pan pangs. And, and just expect that. Expect that some days will be tough. Um, and if, if you don't feel anything, good for you. Um, <laughs> but most people will feel some kind of adjustment. And that, for some people, is difficult. So for some people, it's easier. But you'll most likely have certain experiences where you're thinking, oh, my God, I don't know what's going on here. And we find, too, part of the fun, too, in going abroad is getting to bring a little bit of your culture with as well. Whether, you know, for us, it's been we, we like watching American football and bringing yeah. friends to go watch the bar. We've made Thanksgiving a thing and had oh, friends experience love, Thanksgiving. Love it's, it. You know, I think it's also the other flip side, which is be unafraid to bring your culture yeah. with you to yeah. other folks so they can learn. Exactly. I mean, that's the beauty of any kind of exchange. I mean, yes. everyone yeah. gets something out of it. Yeah. And you, you, you get out what you put in. Yes. Yeah, and exactly. And the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. 100%. Absolutely. Yes. And we're all feeling a little homesick right now. So this is where we will depart and say goodbye. And Chantal, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, and can you tell everybody where we can find you? You can find me on Instagram under Chantal Al-Arab. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me out on the corner where I'm turning tricks. Oh, <laughs> yes, wonderful. Well, we will meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're enjoying What Are You Doing in Denmark, we have one tiny favor. Please give our show a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're using so that others will find us too.